Upstream with Jim and John, father and son conversations about discipleship and culture in the Pacific Northwest. I'm John. And I'm Jim. And today we're going to talk about this question, is American Christianity headed for extinction? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Is the the demise of American Christianity exaggerated or accurate, and what would it take to turn that around? Yeah, or even what is causing those presumptions in the first place? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So right. I hope that's uh hope that yeah. <laughs> hope that, hope that piques your interest. Uh, first, it is joke and or story time, and we know last week was somber, so we're gonna you know, yeah. This yeah. is we're gonna lighten this up. A yeah, little this bit. is gonna be great. Uh, Chris, we might even spo- sing a song. Spoiler alert: Christianity is gonna be okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just so you know, spoiler alert: not, God has a plan. Yeah, we're gonna be fine. Yeah. So uh, anyway, it is story or joke time first. And uh, your turn this week. I'm going to tell a golf joke. I have I have piles of You've golf. Jokes. Already told a few of them. <laughs> I know, but I don't think I've told this one. So these two guys are playing golf, and they come to to the seventh hole, and it's a dog leg to the right, and the temptation. What does that mean? That means the fairway goes out, turns about ninety degrees, and goes the other way. And there's trees, so you either have I should to have hit, assumed like a, like a dog's leg, like a dog's leg, and so you either have to hit. A, two short shots mm-hmm. or you try to go over the corner and be really close oh, to the over the up. trees over the, the trees way. yeah and so um they're staying on the tee box talking about it mm-hmm. <clears throat> and this guy says i'm gonna cut that corner i don't know man that's a long shot i think i can do it who are you playing with I, it's just two guys it's not oh, oh so got you i forgot yeah. I, I assumed it was a story because of some yeah. of all of the golf stories yeah let's let's call these guys bill and joe Sure. So Joe says, I'm going to cut that corner. Bill says, that's a bad idea. I was playing golf last week with George. He tried that. It didn't go well for him. I'm going to try it. So he hits a ball. It goes down in the woods. Didn't make it. Mm-hmm. So they're over there looking for his ball. Well, there's also a like a, a tool shed um, right there, too. And his ball is laying right in front of that tool shed. And the shed is blocking his way to get out of the woods into the fairway. Hmm. But the shed has doors on both sides. So he opens all the doors and he says, I think I can hit this ball right through the doors. Uh-huh. Bill said, I don't you know. George tried that last week. I don't think it's a good idea. It didn't go well for George. He said, well, how'd it go? He said, well, he hit the ball. He crushed it. And it hit that shed, bounced back, hit him in the head and killed him. He said it killed him. How is it the first he's hearing of George's death? <laughs> they weren't very good They're friends, not friends, I guess. Yeah, they weren't buddies. Okay. Anyway, he said it killed George. He said, man, that's terrible. He said, yeah, the rest of the day was hit the ball, drag George. Hit the ball, drag George. Because <laughs> <laughs> a golfer's not going to quit his game just because right. his buddy's dead. Like, I got to finish my round. Anyway, uh, uh, my whole life, you know, with other golfers, mm-hmm. anytime something's going rough, you go, yeah, man, it was hit the ball, drag George. It was. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah, so that's there's, a good one. there's my golf joke. I got to tell you, my expectations, as soon as you say golf a joke, they just... It's just, just like, it's, it's brutal. It just no anticipation at yeah. all. Yeah, we were watching a movie in the theaters recently, and yeah. all the commercials were bad, and you said, this means the movie's going to be bad. That's true. That's what it, that's that's what it normally like true. Me. Yeah, It was wrong. It was a good movie. It but. was a great movie, but you're right that when somebody says, but golfers are excited to hear more golf jokes. Yeah. The ones I don't like are the Jesus and Moses were playing golf. Those I've heard a hundred of those. <laughs> 
and none of them. <laughs> I haven't heard a single Jesus yeah, and Moses playing golf story. No. Okay, I'll tell you one more golf joke. Okay, this priest uh, decides he's like a he's a pastor, mm-hmm. not really a priest. He's a pastor. He's married, got kids. I think most of these jokes involve <clears throat> priests because they're so like they're like a caricature of like they a are. He's got the white collar yeah, and all yeah. that. So he decides to skip church on a Sunday, tells the church he's sick, <laughs> and he goes to play golf. Mm-hmm. And um, God and an angel are watching him. And he is having the round of his life. Oh, wow. And it's like he made his first hole in one. He's birdie in holes. Like this guy normally would shoot like a 95, right? Mm-hmm. He's on the last hole. And if he makes this putt, he's going to shoot par golf. Never done it in his life. Wow. He's beside himself. And the angel keeps the whole round. The angel keeps saying to God, you should mess this guy up. He should not be playing golf when he's supposed to be doing your work. <laughs> And God just smiles. Don't worry about it. And he hits more shots. Good, you know, blah. blah. Get down to the last. So he's got like a 20 foot putt. He's going to shoot par golf if he sinks it. And the angel looks at God and says, You got to, you got to mess this up. No, don't worry about it. He drains a 20 foot snake putt into the hole, par. He shoots par golf. No, he can't tell anybody about it. And that's what God says. Who's he going to tell? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I wasn't as good as one. No, see, that's what I mean. You got to have. You can't have good religious golf jokes. I mean, I'll I'm, I'll come out and say it. A lot of safe Christian jokes aren't that funny. It's true. Unfortunately, it's kind of you know. Yeah. There are safe jokes that are funny, like like uh, Jim Gaffigan is notoriously pretty safe. That's true. Yeah. yeah, I love his thing about his wife being a Catholic. She's not just a Catholic; she's a Shiite Catholic. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. You're right. He tells good, clean jokes. Yeah. There's a lot of them now. You can see them on. Uh, for some reason, I get them on my Facebook stream. Oh yeah, yeah. Of this uh, clean comedy, whatever. Yeah. It's a growing, uh, growing group oh, of them. And I'm probably thinking of the bottom of the barrel where the, the punchline is like, because Jesus loves you that much. You know? <laughs> it's, like, it's like, that's not a real joke. No, though. that's not a joke. That's yeah. Yeah. That's like those, uh, fake million dollar bills. And, Oh yeah. yeah we had a, a, a guy track oh, on the back of them. When I was a barista, a guy tipped me with one of those. He's like, <laughs> I've got a big tip. <laughs> Thank you yeah, very much. No kidding. I was like, Hey. Thank you. Yeah. I'll, I won't spend this till I get to heaven. Right. <laughs> Man, I was like, I got a tip for you, too. Don't do that anymore. <laughs> or, or put, like, border it with $1 bills or something. Yeah. Anyway. Funny. Yeah. All right. So our topic today is, is American Christianity um, headed for extinction? Yeah. And when I say that, you know, the, 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 this has been a trend for a long time. I think the research I found traces it all the way back, like, to 1970 is when this kind of began and it's really studying american demographics so this is this is based on people's behaviors uh the faith that they claim or don't claim Mm -hmm. etc and extinction is hyperbole right it's never going to be extinct extinct like the way you know it's never going to go the way of the dinosaur dinosaurs even in countries where it has diminished to close to nothing right i don't believe that god would allow a Christian, a nation to be without witness, right? That has had faith, right? So, yeah. So, I don't mean real extinction, but that's for for all practical purposes. You know, um, the the precursors, Western Europe, where church buildings are all kinds of things now, and not churches. And hmm. <clears throat> so, there's this thing called the rising of the nuns. Okay, sounds like a <laughs> really bad, was hilarious. <laughs> sounds like a punchline of a joke. Yeah, uh, and it's and it sounds like a really bad zombie movie. Mm-hmm. The, you know, the rising of the nuns. Yeah. but there's actually there's 
Uh, just a really bad horror movie about a nun. There's no real story there. Keep going. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> nuns, N-O-N-E. And, and where this comes from is when you check into a hospital, when you fill out demographic surveys, the census reports, mm-hmm. things like that. Yeah. It would say Protestant, Catholic, uh, Jewish, Muslim, you know, or other. Mm-hmm. Or none. Or none. And none was one of the options. And so the rise of the nuns is the rise of Americans who claim no religious affiliation whatsoever. They are nuns. And that has grown dramatically uh, over time. So here's just a quote from the editor of this research. There's no denying it. The numbers of non-believing, uh, the, the numbers of non-believing clergy, lay atheists, and other people who no longer practice religion continues to grow. We've talked about this in previous episodes. Mm-hmm. Even some people who practice or preach religion don't believe in the accepted tenets of their faith. Whatever it is that keeps people observant, it's less and less the beliefs they learned as children. Hmm. <clears throat> so let me ask you a question. Do you, do you notice this in the world today, John, that, that fewer people are claiming uh, to be Christians? Oh, yeah. Um, especially younger. It's interesting because the... A country as a whole is still so majority Christian. It's still close to 80%, isn't it? Well, that's this article says that the rising percentage of American nuns is now roughly the same as those who identify as evangelical or Catholic. Hmm. And that's a huge segment. When you take that's Catholics massive. and evangelicals together, like, yeah. they're saying the nuns equal that group now. Yeah, the people who would call themselves Christians who aren't evangelical and Catholic are probably pretty little oh yeah except for uh, what mormonisms mormons would they would they uh say evangelical mormons would call themselves christians but not evangelicals okay so that's that's one missing demographic and most christians wouldn't call mormons christians but that's a whole nother yeah worms um i've definitely noticed it i actually so i had this uh this what was the class it was sociology i think it was one of my last classes to graduate i I walked to receive my my you know diploma Mm -hmm. uh, from north not a diploma what what do you call my degree. degree yeah yeah my degree. I know what that is. <laughs> I'm educated. Yeah. And, uh, you know, but I didn't, they let me walk. I still had, uh, like, I still had a decent amount. I think it was like, and nine, why, nine John, why did you have more to do? You know, I just, for the life of me, can't remember, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, uh, had summer classes lined up that would fill the credits. And so they let me walk. And one of those was sociology. So one of my last, my last semester at Northwest, was uh was intense it was it was half a semester because that's how summer semesters work you do uh they they cut in half so i I covered about 12 credits in half a semester and i and it was the it was the most productive schooling of my life it's kind of how that stuff works yeah so uh, i had the sociology class and i was like um i've played this game before you know so i (laughs) i kind of fumble this essay in and you know and get it in time and uh and i got like a a D minus if Ooh. that even exists. It Ooh. wasn't an F, but it was brutal. Yeah. And uh, this, this uh, t- professor who it was online, so I never met her, but she was basically said that's not going to fly. Yeah. And so the rest of the class was trying to appease this professor. And, uh, I was v- frustrated, but mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it was, uh, it was a great class and she, I was the one being a knucklehead. Right. You know? right. So anyway, point being long, yeah. long what is the for point? a short drink of water? Okay. Is uh, I wrote a, a paper on this on, um, what, oh, the, the decline of Christians. It's it was really rise it of, was about the rise of spirituality. <clears throat> okay, so uh, these people who are circling none, they are not lay atheists by and large. They're people who say um, that I'm not. I don't. I'm not playing the game. So, and a lot of them actually. So, a huge part of it was 
a huge part of the paper. And this was all through the uh, Pew Research Center. Okay. I should have the numbers in front of me now. But uh, it was largely the LGBTQ, mm-hmm. um, you know, kind of queer uh, community. Right. And uh, for them, Christianity tanked and spirituality shot up. Yeah. So they all would say, you know, there's things that humans don't understand and there's more to humans than flesh and bone. Yeah. But they would never say that the that the god, the god of, of abraham right. yeah was was the created the earth you know right, they might right. even say that it was, it had nothing to do with any kind of deity but that there's stuff going on mm-hmm. and that kind of sense of of uh really agnostic spiritualism was huge when i when i wrote this which was you know 2 years ago um so really although the faith is tanking like like those numbers aren't wrong at all but they're not all saying that they're not all nihilists. They're not all um, atheists. You know? Right. So that's what, you know, what, are they, what do we know about them is that they have no religious affiliation. They are a diverse mix, uh, including but not limited to atheists. So mm-hmm. they are agnostics, of course, who say, you know, did you hear about the ag- agnostic? Uh, I don't know. I can't remember the, pun- <laughs> the deal. But the punchline is he wasn't sure there was a dog. Oh, the agnostic da- dyslexic. Oh. <laughs> he's not really sure if there's a dog yeah so uh uh agnostics say there there could be something there mm-hmm. seems to be enough evidence to think there's something i have no idea what that is and so i i don't believe a particular thing yeah and so there there is a growth there and then there's a lot of one-time catholics who are bailing out mm. uh, big time the the priest sex candle you know the, all that stuff it, so there's a, there, so there's a lot of fleeing from Sure. Mainline Protestant and Catholic churches. And we know that uh, religious observation is in decline. Mm-hmm. Uh, 80% of the churches in America are plateaued or in decline. This research is a few years old, but but about five years ago, I had done some research. And for 20 straight years, and I assume it's still the case, <clears throat> there was not one county in the contiguous United States where church attendance Increase the percentage of the population right. attend church increased. So, like a church may have reported an increase, but county wide, county wide, there, there was, was no, no right. Increase. Only one county in Hawaii actually had that, but in the contiguous United States, for twenty straight years, there was not one county, and that means where That's these intense. mega churches are exploding. Yeah, they're just emptying other churches, and there's not an increase in people who are attending church from a percentage of the population. Yeah, so. uh my my per, my working theory, that, and and to, if you haven't noticed, this is uh, you're leading this episode. You know, oh, I right? am. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, my my personal theory is, you know, you talk about the frustrated majority. So you have um, uh, devout Democrat, devout Republicans, right, and, and eighty about eighty percent in the middle who yeah. are frustrated with mm-hmm. with both sides. I would um, call it fifteen, fifteen, and seventy. Okay. Yeah. Um, but but. And I think because although here I have different feelings about the extremes, I think it applies. I think you have people who are devout in their belief. You have people who are devout in their unbelief. And you have a huge amount of people who don't want to play the game. That's an interesting observation. So like a bell curve. Right. You have the outliers. Mm-hmm. and But you would still say that the middle predominantly believes in some deity of some type. And that and I would say there's a lot of people in churches who fit in that little part, in that middle part, who are either you know men going just for their wives, or I'm sure there's some vice versa too. Oh, I can tell you as a pastor there that the that the that the percentage of people in a church gathering who would not hold to biblical Christianity, they have some other form of that. Sure. 
uh, is huge. Yeah. And some doing it for cultural reasons. I know, uh, um, Bill Gates had an interview recently where he was talking about his faith a little bit and he really, all he had to say about it was that he was glad his kids were in church. That mm. was the, basically the reason he was there was to have it, give his kids some kind of base morality. Interesting. And he was, and largely for his wife, he, he phrased it. Um, his mother was a member of the church and he attends. So that's kind of how he, mm-hmm. so there's a lot of that going on. So let's take two lines of discussion. Mm-hmm. What's pushing people away from church mm-hmm. and what is it that's going to win them back? Sure. So, so when you think about what's driving them away, uh, this research shows that they have, these nuns are more liberal on social issues than we got. We need a different name. <clears throat> I can't stop picturing a nun. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the best word for them. These religiously unaffiliated. I don't well, want to say uh, that every time. You want to call them RAs? Keep calling them RAs. I'll get over it. Okay. The nuns, <laughs> uh, that they are significantly more liberal on social issues a uh, higher percentage of them are pro-choice. They favor marriage equality. Mm-hmm. They don't have a traditional uh, male leader of the home kind of thinking. Um, they also say that religious organizations are too concerned about money and power and politics. Hmm. So they're turned off by that. They would never give money to a church. They would give to a charity or to something like that. Sure. That's making a real difference. Um, yeah. So when you hear all that, what what do you think is pushing people away from um, from religious affiliation? So, yeah. Because this is happening to all faith lines. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I think uh, there's a word I'm looking for. Uh, oscillate. The This kind of mm. um, cultures oscillate where, you know, you have um, pretty rigid um, conservatist parents who raise, you know, people who want to break free of that a little bit and then they raise kids who are a little more you know kind of back and back and forth with uh you know uh the original baby boomers to Mm -hmm. the original free love generation Mm -hmm. to the second baby boomers to the gen x um and that pattern is a little broke now because gen x to millennials to gen y it's kind of now a through line there's there's not as much oscillation going on um observably to me um but i would say a lot of it is that uh we're entering an it might be ignorant to call it unprecedented, but a seemingly unprecedented era of, of humanism to where saying to somebody that's not okay Mm. is a huge no, no, you know, absolutes are unacceptable. Right. Exactly. You can't do that anymore. So you can't say, um, because it's all about victims. So it's like, you can't say, um, that two consenting, um, men shouldn't be together because there's no victim there. I see where we would say that, um, uh, disobedience to God is, is its own is sin unto itself, regardless of victims or regardless of our mm-hmm. um, math of it. So uh, that whole system is now seeming archaic and judgmental and and stifling. And I think that because every religion in the world has those, even even the the quote unquote freest ones like Buddhism, you know, that was a huge thing. There was this uh, girl in my high school I remember where she said, uh, you know, I was looking through the the religions and this one seemed seemed the best. She called herself a Buddhist. She said this <laughs> this one, you know, I can I can do this one. And I was like, that's a, that's a way to do it. Yeah. Um, and that one even has rules that people don't necessarily, you know, want. So like, uh, um, I'm sure there's different kind of denominations or whatever they would call it, but where a, a Buddhist man sometimes can't even be in the same room with a woman, you know, right, they have, they have right, very right, strict right. gender rules like that. So I think all of that is frustrating to a generation of, um, of humanists who want, uh, absolute freedom and, uh, and, 
and a lack of absolutes. Okay, so so there's the human nature mm-hmm. to believe in itself and to remove all constraints of absolute guidelines and rules and morality. Totally. Okay, there's also the, um, the you know the failure of the church. You have for sure uh, clergy sex scandals all the time. You have uh, you have preachers who have private jets and you know fly all over the place, or um, you have. Um, divorces and adultery and all kinds of hanky panky in the church, and, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then you have some knucklehead Christians who uh, the Westboro Baptist knotheads, totally. who, you know, who protest uh, all soldier funerals. And well, you know, I thought it was just uh, it was like a, a gay soldier who had died in combat. They protested, protested his funeral. Yeah, you know, they're just this ridiculous uh, exhibit of what they would call Christianity. Then there's a relevance issue. I think you know we're 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 tracking some guys who are leaving the faith who've been mm-hmm. prominent Christians, and they talk about the collision of science and faith and uh, the church's or religion's inability to um, to um, recognize science for what it is, <clears throat> and when it combats their faith, they're talking about the hiding of sin and and sweeping things under the rug. Mm-hmm. What what else is there? Anything else that comes to your mind in that in that vein? Yeah, I think I think that um uh scandal and 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 the like is is a huge reason for that. You know, same thing with how this generation supposedly uh doesn't have um a lot of hope in the system because of things like that mm-hmm. or and the the generation the Watergate generation, you know. Right. Uh that just shook everything. <clears throat> so uh, I think that same effect with religion uh, has, yeah, that's true. Where there's a distrust for organizations, exactly. governments, any high, big, powerful thing. Exactly. Because there's if just it's, a if it's that big, there's got to be something wrong with yeah. it. Got to be someone yeah. embezzling money. And um, you personally, you know, you've you've had heroes in the faith um, really just obliterate their lives with with scandal. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that definitely doesn't help. And I think um, you had the 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 opinion now, kind of in in education and in in science and and we're always learning more and more is that uh, everything has answers now, right, you know, right. And that if, if it doesn't now, it will soon, you know, and generations before this, not even a hundred years ago, you know, there was stuff that we didn't know and that seemed inexplainable. Right. And so uh, even if uh, I would say, you know, by the end of time, whatever science produces could not disprove our faith. Um, it doesn't help to a lay person who thinks, um, well, I heard that they don't think, I heard they thought that men didn't come from uh, evolution. I heard they think the earth is only, you know, a few thousand years old, you know, right, right. and that automatically sh- turns them away, even if they haven't quite looked into it that much. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I think those are all real issues. I think that there's a struggle with um, moral lines and why do I have to be straight? Why do I have, you know, why do these moral lines totally, matter? Totally. And, and then, um, Really, like, for example, the church's inability to be compassionate towards people who have same-sex attraction. You know, Mm -hmm. the whole, it's a choice. You know, you're choosing that. And they would say, well, tell me exactly when you chose to be heterosexual. (laughs) Right. You know, and so a lack of compassion there and and a willingness to have honest conversations about Mm -hmm. the complexities of human sexuality and things like that. Totally. I think those are huge. So um, what this has resulted in is a decline of engagement in religious affiliation. It's important to, to notify that, to notice that, because as you said, there's an increase in spiritual belief. 
there's an increase in seeking spiritual truth, mm-hmm. but there's a disengagement with religious organizations and, yeah. and church affiliations. Yeah, and we, we learned about this in, um, I took this uh, class on modernist uh, poetry, basically, about T.S. Eliot and stuff. And um, if that doesn't sound as hoity-toity as possible, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what does, but I know exactly. Uh, but their kind of attitude was, um, uh, it was a, it was a kind of arrogance in, in hindsight that mm. um, because of the knowledge we have, we are better than past generations. So mm-hmm. it was, let's do anything new that we can. And uh, any of the tradition that came before with, with poetry, people wouldn't, like um, certain poets wouldn't uh, use models and traditions of past poetry because they figured, hey, oh. we're new, right? We can anything new is is better, and really the um, T. S. Eliot would rebuke that and say, you know, well then you're starting from scratch. They came before you for a reason. You can build off right. what they've built on it, right? Right, and and instead of starting from zero, starting from nothing. And I've, I've in me in my opinion, it's almost the same way where people are thinking, oh, we can we can do marriage better now, and open marriage is better because there's more love, there's more freedom, sure. there's less judgment. Um, and it seems almost arrogant. It's like, oh, you, you know better. You figured it out. Mm-hmm. You know, thousands of years of marriage couldn't figure it out, but we figured it out. You know, all you have to do is sleep with whoever you want. Right. You know, so uh, that's a little more pointed probably than I would have, <laughs> I should have said. But, um, but it's, I feel like it's that way where it's, it's an almost a kind of pride in, in being where we are in time and being as free as we are and cutting loose the what they would call maybe bankers yeah yeah exactly of, yeah. of organized faith and then what we're finding though is an increase in anxiety and increase in stress because mm-hmm. you don't have these uh comfort you know security producing stability uh, guarantees mm-hmm. these fixed items i mean god is a fixed point in the universe around which we orbit and it brings meaning and boundary to our existence and so when you remove that it's like oh man i have nothing to hold on right. to and so this rise of anxiety is probably attached to that yeah well there's no there's no there's no baseline anymore you know nothing anything could change now with, right. without without that kind of anger. Yeah, there's nothing you can count on right yeah yeah so um i would like to uh talk about um, well, let me ask you this. Sure. Does this affect you from a hope standpoint? Are you nervous about the spiritual future of your country? Um, I have a, a pretty, talk about extremes. My, my view of the sovereignty of God is mm-hmm. pretty extreme. So I, I'm not concerned. Um, I'm not concerned of the person. I, I could be concerned of the people. Like if I'm thinking of the country as a whole. Right. It, it, uh, it makes me, it's, it's somber. I don't worry about it necessarily. So you have this sense that God's going to execute his plan no matter what. Mm -hmm. So really none of this matters. It matters. Not that it doesn't matter, but it doesn't concern me so much because I know that if we're doing what he is telling us, if we're listening, if we're, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, alter stewardship, if we're, if we're trying and living for the kingdom, um, then you're doing your best. Another, uh, T.S. Eliot quote is, uh, basically I'll butcher it, but, uh, that our business is the trying. And the rest of it's not our business. Mm. I like that. Mm-hmm. Martin Luther's was, as I sit here and sip my Wittenberg beer, the kingdom marches on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what you're saying is that if God's going to, if the annihilation of America is part of the overall sovereign plan of God's uh, arc, story arc, right. then let it be. And I'll just keep living for Jesus within my realm. You know, I'll live for Christ, but I'm not going to, mm-hmm. I'm not going to lose sleep over the spiritual condition of my country because God's got that in his plan. I, 
I guess. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of a bizarro version of that. The flip side of that is a kind of um, indifference. You know, yeah. that's that's the danger there. Yeah. Um, and a, a not a lack of recognition of the um, the gifts that we have in this country. I'm I'm yeah. very very grateful to be here, um, and the freedoms that we have. I don't think. Um, so let's let's get some context because you've mentioned briefly uh, Western Europe that this has happened before, right? What's going on there that 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 makes you think we're heading that way? What what is going on there? What is that? Oh man, uh, when you look at the Netherlands and you know places where there had been crazy revivals of God in the early 1900s, mm-hmm. where now uh, in in the Netherlands, I don't know if this is still true, but when my friend was a missionary there with the little kids, this was true. Mm-hmm. It was against the law to homeschool your kids. But at the age of nine, you could prostitute them for extra family income. No so way. A, so you could prostitute your nine-year-old child, but you couldn't homeschool them. That's where this all starts spinning out of control, where there's not just an ignorance of God or a rejection of God, but there's an outright intentional destruction yeah. of faith. And so you have <clears throat> culturally, sociologically in Western Europe, you have Christianity has diminished to a minuscule percentage of the population. And therefore, a very negligible impact or influence. Yeah, that might. I would say the danger is less that scenario. That's incredibly grotesque. I think that that will happen eventually to the earth. If you're, you know, in the end times, I think the more the danger we're facing is more of a fizzling out. Right? It's it's. A, I don't think so because right. So? I mean, there there are there are pivotal issues on the table sociologically. But I don't want to get into that because those sure. those turn out to be uh, so. Um, I was more wondering for for a foil for our country, a country that is similar to us as yeah. far as Western yeah. values and stuff that has diminished in faith, mm-hmm. and we we're on that road, is what you're saying. Yes, that that we're there where they were we twenty are, years ago. We are we following are their pattern. Yes, hmm. and so what I want to talk about is. Um, I think there is one significant mistake that the American church has made that has fed this problem. And I think that that attaches to a uh, significant opportunity to turn this thing around. Hmm. So um, so I don't worry about America because I do, too, think that if God's got America in his plans for end times, we're going to be here. And if he doesn't, we're not. Right. So I'm not concerned about the national part. I'm concerned about the people I live, work, and play with. I'm concerned about my neighborhood. I've got 44 sure. houses in this neighborhood. I'm, I want them all to know God. I want them to be free from their sin. I want them to have joy in their hearts. So I'm more focused there. Like, um, I, I think of, you know, young people and every year we have, you know, the high school seniors hang out at our house. And I, mm-hmm. and so when I get around, not just believing teenagers, but when I get around teenagers, when I go in the public high schools, when I see what's going on in the college campuses, when I keep up with modern, uh, current events, I'm staggered by the thinking patterns of an unbelieving people. And I want them so badly to find their way to God. Sure. So that's what I care about. And how could we be uh, a people, God's people, who are missionally effective in a pagan culture? Um, that's what I care about. Yeah. Well, what you said you the one thing you said the one thing the church is doing uh, wrong that is con- contributing to this problem. Yeah. Let's do our quick little commercial break, and uh, and you hit me with that when we come back. We'll okay. Sounds that. good. Upstream is supported by the faithful members of the Upstream team, listeners who give monthly through Patreon. This podcast is just one part of the Jim and John ministry. They also write weekly blogs. 
have published their first book, and are currently at work on more. Their desire is to produce transformational content, as well as offer encouragement and coaching to others. The dream is to see a movement of people who are integrating the work of Jesus into their daily lives, and who are joining Him on His mission to redeem and restore all things. Check out their website at jimandjohn.com, where you can learn more about the father-son duo and gain access to all they have to offer. If you would like to join the Upstream team, consider partnering with Jim and John on patreon.com slash jimandjohn. A link is also available on the homepage of their website. And remember, there's no H in John. Now let's join Jim and John for the home stretch of today's conversation. All right, welcome back. So uh, here's the thing, I, and I put a, a blog on our website about this this week, mm. um, this, this great mistake. I think there's a great mistake we've made. In Matthew 28, well, first of all, I would say that the, that the demise of faith in our land mm-hmm. is directly attached to the lack of powerful lives being transformed by Christ. Sure. So if you if you had if you had people being transformed by the power of Jesus and they are living incredibly powerful, sacrificial, on mission lives. So and and there's research to back this up that that what's in decline is casual Christianity. What's in decline hmm. is is uh, carnal Christianity because most of the number, most of that eighty percent or whatever it was, was casual Christianity. Exactly. And what's on the rise is radically devoted Christianity. Hmm. And this is interesting because you see uh, Islam being one of the fastest growing faiths in the world, and they call you to some radical things. Yeah. And so the problem is not that the church has asked too much. The problem is that the church has asked too little. Hmm. And so this this great mistake, um, I'm a big fan of a, of a guy named Dallas Willard. He, he passed away a few years ago. Phenomenal author, um, professor at sure. USC. Anyway, <clears throat> I read an article of his a couple weeks ago. I can't stop thinking about it. And he, he called it the great omission. And Matthew 28, Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Therefore, go and make disciples. disciples. And he says, of all nations, baptizing them, teaching them everything I've taught you, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. Mm-hmm. So, so this is the great commission. Go out and make disciples. But somehow, and I think this happened in maybe the 50s, 40s, 50s, 60s, we switched that to go and make Christians. Go into mm-hmm. all the world and make Christians. And the big goal of the whole church has been, we want you to pray a confession of faith. We want you to get saved. We want you to be born again so that you will go to heaven when you die and not hell. And everything became about being a Christian and going to heaven Mm -hmm. and not about being a disciple. So um, this has, so I, so I I messed around on the whiteboard in my office and I put the word uh, Christians in one column and disciples in the other. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're going to go in all the world and make Christians. What's the difference between a Christian and disciple? Well, a Christian believes, but a disciple obeys. And our American church is all about, you know, do you believe? Do you believe? Do you believe? Well, even the devil believes, Jesus said, and he mm-hmm. shudders at the thought. So uh, uh, Christians pray. Disciples intercede. Hmm. Christians sing worship songs. Disciples live their life as an act of worship. And I have this whole list going, you know, uh, Christians raise their kids disciples disciple their kids hmm. uh, christians um, seek blessing from god disciples seek to be a blessing for god yeah um, christians see themselves as the mission of god like he exists to meet my needs <laughs> sure. every chorus you sing in church seems to say that uh-huh. disciples say uh, 
I'm on the mission of God. And so you could just keep going with this list. We uh, at our staff meeting the other day, we just started brainstorming more and more of examples of that. And so what we've produced is churches full of Christians who believe, mm-hmm. but who do not obey. And they do not live this disciple driven life. And we have sabotaged. Now I'm blaming, I'm blaming pastors and churches for this problem because we have um, asked too little. You know, really what yeah. pastors typically say, and I'm saying this because I am a pastor, okay? So I'm, I'm criticizing the group of which I am one. Sure. We have said, hey, would you just stroke my ego, show up for me on Sundays, give me a full house, golf clap, you know, my ministry, throw a few bucks in the plate, and you're good to go. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, that's all I call you to is to show up and drop a few bucks. That's 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 my mean. And then, and so people are like, really? Mm-hmm. I got real problems in my life, and all the church is offering me is a, you know, three steps to eliminate eliminate stress in my life. Give a good offering. They're playing hit music. Buy our album on the way out, and we're not calling people to what Jesus called them to. Yeah, if you want to find your life, here's the way you're going to do that. You're going to lose it. Um, so, so the gospel. We've taken the teeth out of the gospel, and we've made Jesus a really cool. Uh, California surfer hippie Jesus <laughs> who's sure. all love and no and no you know veracity. Yeah. I think it's interesting because most of what I most of my hypotheses here have been if we're talking about responsibility it's been on the people who are not Christians mm-hmm. and then yours have been on the Christians which I think is more accurate. Um and that's probably just by merit of you being actually in ministry and I'm not. I don't have those those kinds of uh mindsets but although I should just as a as a disciple, like you're mm-hmm. saying, but, um, what do you, you know, when we're talking about responsibility, uh, the towns that, uh, um, the disciples would go to and Jesus says, you know, give your message. And if they don't shake the they, dust off yeah, your feet and move and on, just move on. So like they, and arguably they were doing it right. Mm-hmm. But, and there are people who will not listen. Right. Right. And that responsibility will be on them. Mm-hmm. You know, in the old, in an ultimate sense of the, on the phrase. So, um, do you see a line there to where you would say, um, do, would you, I guess to word it this way, is it always on the ministry to figure themselves out to say, Hey, we are doing something wrong. Let's figure it out. Well, I think, I think, you know, this is why revivals throughout history mm-hmm. didn't start in the church. They started outside the church or they didn't start with the clergy. They started with people who got it, who got, who said, there's got to be more to this faith than what I'm experiencing. Sure. And they go after God and they end up surpassing the church leaders in their own spiritual uh, power. So uh, I, I would say, you know, uh, the condition of the sheep is the responsibility of the shepherd. Hmm. So I, I do place a lot of responsibility there. Um, but I think that what you're finding now is you have ministers running from the ministry. Hmm. Um, it's like it's like a, a 4,000 a month leaving ministry. They're Whoa. exhausted. They're overworked. They don't, they're, they're frustrated at the lack of fruitfulness. Um, they lack friendships. They battle depression. Uh, pastors are running from the ministry. It's a very hard life in a culture like this, and um, and so it's a it's a rough deal. I want to I want to make sure I stay focused on what I think the the real problem and the real answer are. I think the real problem is that we're selling a brand of Christianity that is uh, 
super loosey goose. Mm-hmm. It's so grace heavy that there's no call attached to it. And I am a radical believer in the grace of God. So, uh, man, his grace covers all of our sin. And I, I stake my life on that. And he's called me, he's created me for his purposes. And so, um, the, the life of a disciple is a person who's walking with God. But what does that church look like then, right? If you say you had only disciples in your church, I don't, I don't want that. Yeah. And, and so, so what do you do then? What do you, what changes if you were to flip a switch and, and, and change it to what you want it to be? Well, I think the answer is not to make churches more attractive. It's to, it's to make Christians more attractive. So, um, you know, that to me, what do you do with church gatherings and the, and the, and the way you do church, you know, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. do church. Uh, I think that's, that's, um, not the answer. That's one of the symptoms to the answer. Hmm. The answer is that people who love Jesus need to go all chips in and really love Jesus, seek his face, live for his purposes. You had 11 guys, okay, not even 12 because Judas blew it. You got 11 guys who after the day of Pentecost are filled with the Spirit of God. There's only 120 believers the day before Pentecost. And the next day there's 3,000. And then Hmm. they were added to the church daily, those who were being saved. It spread like wildfire. Why? Because people were being transformed by the power of God. That is what we need. And you could say, well, that's God. You know, God's withholding that power from us. I absolutely do not believe that. Sure. I believe that God will pour his power on everybody who's hungry enough to receive it. And so I think there's a, uh, there's a revival in our hearts that is needed and when you see people who are set free from drug addiction, when you see people whose chains of their sin slavery fall away, when you see people start living for God more than we live for ourselves, mm-hmm. when you see us being sacrificial, and um, I just think there's a fragrance of Christ that is not being um, emanating from us as the people of God because we are inherently, you know, I, I heard a question one time, you know, if God answered all your prayers, <laughs> Would it benefit right. anybody but you? And for most of us, honestly, the answer is, well, no, it wouldn't. Yeah. And that's part of the problem. That's what I'm talking about. So then if, so if the question is American Christianity, right? If, is American Christianity going to, going extinct and why? Um, it seems like this answer would be yes. And that's okay. That's the trick question. Cause that's exactly how I feel. Hmm. I hope American Christianity does go extinct. And that biblical Christianity returns with a vengeance and a power and a wildfire. Sure. But that means those numbers would be low. Yeah. Those percentages of people saying that I call myself a Christian would be low. I'm okay with that. And, and, but it would change, you know, they would, they would, if they're experiencing God, mm-hmm. they would, they would not be nuns anymore. I yeah. am affiliated with Jesus. And if they, if they work maybe in, in this equation mm-hmm. if they work with one spirit-filled disciple yeah and instead of working with five casual go to church you know exactly. every Sunday christians yeah. it would have a greater impact yeah so when i think about what can we do about this okay let's get to this because we're running out of time mm-hmm. what can we do about this well we can live our lives authentically for god we can love our enemies we can pray for those who persecute us we can uh, live for the good of others rather than just the good of ourselves we can uh, die to ourselves and live to Christ. We can ask God to, 
to powerfully live in us. Like it's going to be individual people living with God in an authentic way, not fake, not perfect, but authentic and real. Um, that is what becomes contagious to what we talk about, the oikos, that mm-hmm. you know, 8 to 15 people that God has already strategically put in your life for you to have influence over them. They studied the spread of Christianity. Like, how did that happen? Yeah. You know, how did they cover the earth so fast? And all the research points to the same thing. Every town they went to, the people who loved God, loved him so profoundly and deeply, it was woven into the fabric of their life. You could not know them without knowing that and experiencing that. Hmm. And it spread one person at a time, one household at a time. That's how it happened. And that's how it will happen again. That's really cool. Yeah, so that's that's it's tricky. You know, I don't know if it, like takeaways. Talking takeaways. Do you have it's, any? It's hard to distill this down into a takeaway. Yeah, because it's complicated. Um, I would say my takeaway uh, is probably is is that kind of self responsibility where, um, even though my answer was on the other, don't shrug your shoulders and say, "Well, it's their problem for mm-hmm. for feeling this way," mm-hmm. um, and don't undermine the impact that you can have on your your oikos, your community, and uh, and those that you see every day. Um, but also, I mean, at the end of the day, it is, it's not going to be your effort that, that saves Christianity, you know, or even your effort that converts anybody that you talk to and bring to church. Uh, it is the, the intervention of God. It's the Holy Spirit. Yeah, that draws people to himself. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, you go to places in the world right now where Christianity is exploding. Mm-hmm. They are places where Christianity is either outlaw, outlawed or they are, um, surprisingly, a lot of Islamic places. You go to China, where it's against the law to have a church, to have a pastor. The church is exploding. Why? Because people are experiencing God and sharing their experiences with each other. So God doesn't need uh, political uh, um, openness. Right. God doesn't. He flourishes without it, it seems. He, he doesn't need LED walls and intelligent lights and haze. You know, he's into changing people's lives. And um, so I think, you know, the takeaway for me is that, um, well, let me just say my, my challenge, when we're going to talk about this in future episodes, we were laying out other episodes and we're talking about um, gender fluidity and how do Christians approach that. We're going to talk about... Um, what were some of the other ones we were talking about today? These complicated subjects. And, and what they make me do sometimes is they make me, and I, I think this might be part of my age, they make me want to run. Hmm. Every once in a while, I get so uh, frustrated and overwhelmed at need, global need, but also at, at global rejection of God and yeah. hatred for the church that it makes me want to go build a cabin, get off the grid, and live somewhere in isolation. Sure. And I know that's not what God has called me to. And what God has done is he has caused his church to flourish in environments that were hostile to it. Mm-hmm. So I know he can do that here. And what I think we have to do is, you know, gird up our loins and uh, get serious about, yeah. man, I'm going to live for you, God. And, and, and if the nation spirals into a bliss, you know, an oblivion, because that's your plan. But please let me have an influence for you and the people around me. So my takeaway, I was, that's a long way to get there, is that um, my primary job, your primary job, is live an authentic faith with God, like talk to God, walk with God, make it real, and then love the snot out of everybody around you, whether they agree with you, disagree with you, whether they have gender fluidity, whether they're 
uh, classic Christians, whatever they are, that we should be unafraid and unoffendable and just loving people with the aroma of Christ while we live, transform lives in him. I really think that's the hope of our country. I think unoffendable alone is like a huge <laughs> thing right it now. Is, it that is. That would make you stand out like a like the opposite of a sore thumb. Like it, something would. Great. it would. It yeah. would. And you know, you you like mentioned earlier thumb? you mentioned earlier <laughs> um you mentioned earlier the the uh outliers, fifteen yeah, yeah. and fifteen, mm-hmm. right? The extreme conservative and the extreme liberal. And um the thing about those two extremes, they refuse to interact with each other. There is no grace extended there's no relationship like if you believe that you can't be my friend Mm -hmm. that alone is the power of a surrendered life that loves everybody it builds a bridge that's awesome okay uh that'll do it (laughs) i really hope this has been helpful i i feel like maybe we spun our wheels a little bit there so Man, if you have questions, comments, uh, a way you want to extend this conversation in a way that we maybe we haven't. Well, I mean, we're not gonna we're not gonna be like, no, right, that's right. We did yeah, it. We, yeah, we you guys are welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Problem solved. Yeah, this will be the day they look back on and be like, that yeah. was when they saved Christianity. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're trying our best, and we just want to do it with each other. So, uh, man, thanks for listening. As always, we'd love to you uh, have you send us emails about your thoughts. Um, advice for the program, topics you'd like us to discuss, or ways that we can serve you. We're also running a Christmas special on mm-hmm, the, on the pursuit. pursuit. Yeah, and so we had a bunch of we had I think three or four cases of those printed up. They're really nice. You can get it on Amazon.com, but it's just paperback. Yeah, they'll whereas, print one for you on their print by demand. Yeah. Um, system but yeah we and have these really nice spiral bound ones yeah they're they're really nice and we're doing uh they're 15 bucks each mm-hmm. and we're doing two for 25 for 25 so and it's two dollars shipping and handling um but yeah. yeah good christmas gift if you want to uh, buy them in uh, buy multiples for a group or for you and your spouse or yeah. uh yeah yeah so jim and info jim and is our email the website is jim and no h in the john and uh Man, subscribe, tell a friend. Thanks for listening. Yeah, we'll see you guys next time.